Welcome to those of you who are joining us online. It's wonderful to have you. And uh, we're exploring and finishing our core value series this morning. So if you've been with us since about the beginning of February, we've been exploring our four core values as a church. And uh, this morning we, we finalize that series and we're talking about our final core value, which is to reach every community and culture. And this, uh, this particular value is, uh, it's, for me, it's a little bit amusing because it's what happens when you get a bunch of detailed-oriented people together and they discuss what has is, what is the Lord called us to do as a church, and then you give that value to the people that are going to communicate it to people, and the two don't really reconcile. So here's how this value is originally stated in our core values document, right? We agree that we are to be a church that accepts that its mandate to make disciples is not only limited to its local community. We thought about putting that onto the slide, but we thought it might make it a little bit wordy. So here we are. We're here to be a community that reaches every community and culture, a church that reaches every community and culture. But what this value is about is it's straight out of the call of Jesus. It's a recognition to embrace Jesus' call to make disciples. That's what this value is about. When we reach every culture and community, we want to make disciples in every culture and every community, but we recognize that it's not just in our backyard. It's not just here in Menoridge or in the southern suburbs, but Jesus has called us to do this to the nations. Paul wrote this. In the book of Romans, he says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Isn't that beautiful? But how then can they call on the one that they haven't believed in? And how can they believe in the one that they haven't heard of? And how can they hear unless someone preaches to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? So how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Romans chapter 10. That's the heart of this value, to recognize that people need to be sent so that people can hear the gospel and come to know Jesus. So here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to take about half of the message, probably maybe a third of the message in reality, and we're going to just explore that in the scriptures, and we're going to ask God, help me to feel this call that you have placed on my life to go. And then we're going to take the rest of the message and we say, what on earth does that look like as we live here in Cape Town? Does that sound all right? Okay. So let's dig into this. We've got three steps in the first third of the message. The first step is, who has God called? As a church, we are called to reach every community and culture. As individuals in the church, who, is, who of you has God called? So... I know what happened. The reason we're starting here is because when we say this and we say we are called to go and to reach into the nations, what happens in our brain is we immediately go, yeah, but there are people that we've called to do that. And we call them missionaries. And and they're the ones we've sent. They're the ones who do that full time. There's this branch of connect that live out that value. And we're really excited that they exist. And you are partly right. Right? We are really excited that there are a bunch of people that we have sent into the, into the mission field and who do this all of the time. But we would make a mistake to assume that those are the only people at Connect that live out this value. Because if that's what it is, we've missed it. So I want to share with you from a scripture that I love. It's a scripture in John chapter 20. It's this moment in the life of Jesus where Jesus has just died. 
and it's the end of that weekend, and the disciples are a bit concerned. And so they've all gathered together into a house, and the doors are closed, and they're locked because they're worried that the persecution that came after Jesus is now going to come after them. And they're terrified. And as they're in this space, Jesus suddenly appears to them. And he says, hey, guys, it's me. Let me show you my hands. You can see the hole. Look in my side. That's where the spear went in. I'm really alive. And they're amazed. And they're, they're so excited. And they celebrate the fact that the Messiah is alive, that he hasn't gone, that the last three years of their life aren't in vain. And then Jesus looks to them and he says this in verse 21. He says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so now I send you. As the Father has sent me, so now I send you. See, I don't think Jesus could have made a larger transition when he moved from heaven to earth, from the eternal glory and perfection of heaven to the broken, messy place that we call earth. And he did it for our sake and in obedience to the call of the Father. And so because he came, and he made that huge transition, and he came here to earth, he comes now to his disciples, and he says, guys, I've been with you for the last three years, and I've poured my life into you for the last three years, and I've done that so that you can now continue the work that I've begun. Right? So I am sending you. The very reason God became incarnate was to reach out into the world, to recognize that there was a world that was desperate and lost and broken without him, that needed a savior, that needed a king, that needed someone that would draw them in out of darkness and bondage and into his glorious light. And that person was God himself who came. And now he says, in the same way that I have been sent by the Father, so I'm going to send you. So our slogan as a church is to continue the work of Jesus. It's why we're here. It's what we're about. It's why you are here. It's the reason you are in this church this morning. It's the reason Jesus saved you. Not so that you can have a comfortable ride until one day you get to be with him for eternity. He called you here to continue his work. He called you to the greatest mission that exists. That's why we're here this morning. As the Father sent Jesus, so Jesus sends us. So if you agree with me, if you agree God has sent you, you are here, you exist in this world for the sake of the gospel. God has got work for me to do. He wants me to continue continuing his work. That's why we're here. So let's talk about why. Let's talk about why this thing is so important. And you could just say because Jesus told us to do it. That is enough. It should be enough. It gives us enough to go from. But just like a good parent, you recognize there's a time in your child's life where you say to them, do this or don't do that. And they say why. And you say, because mom or dad said so. And that's sufficient and enough. Amen, right? You need a bit more of that some of these days. But then there comes a time in your child's life where they're old enough to understand the logic behind why you said do this or don't do that. And you're able to explain it to them. And God does that for us in the scriptures. And so I want to take us to what I think is a real beautiful, pivotal moment in the life of Jesus in Matthew chapter 9. Because in this moment, you don't just see what Jesus says, but you get an insight into what's happening behind the veil. You get to see what's in his mind. And so in Matthew chapter 9, we read this in verse 35. 
It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, and he was teaching in the synagogues, and he was proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and he was healing every disease and sickness. So this is the scene that's being set for us here by Matthew. Jesus is out and about, and he's in the Judean countryside, and he's doing what the Father has sent him to do. He's proclaiming the good news about the kingdom. He's demonstrating the power of the kingdom in their midst, and he's calling and inviting people to come and be his disciples. It's why he came. It's what he's doing. And then we get this moment in verse 36. It says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. When Jesus saw the people of his day, this is, what it, this is how he saw them. This is what's in his heart. And let's pause for a moment and just consider those words because there's something important that we need to take out of that. Firstly, Jesus speaks about the crowds. The crowds is just a nice way of saying the general populace, the people that were around. They weren't a specific group of people. They were just the people in the area. And they were people just like you and just like me. They had stuff going on in their lives. There were things that they were worried and concerned about. They suffered from illness and disease. Some of them suffered from demonic oppression and the work of the enemy in their lives. And they, they were just people. And Jesus says they were harassed and they were helpless. To be harassed means to be subject to aggressive pressure and intimidation. To be subject to aggressive pressure and intimidation. It's worth asking the question, who's pressurizing and intimidating these people? So that's what Jesus says is how they are. If you read a little, like, a dictionary definition, they give you an example. They say, being harassed at work can leave you feeling confused or helpless. And helpless is the second word Jesus uses to describe these people. It means to be unable to defend oneself, to be unable to act without assistance, to be unable to help yourself, to be powerless, to be incompetent, to be over your head, out of your depth, to not know which way is up. And when you take those two words together, you realize how beautifully Jesus' phrase, like sheep without a shepherd, captures that idea. The people, the people around us, the people that Jesus encountered, when Jesus sees people, he sees them as sheep without a shepherd. They are harassed and helpless. They, they can't see the, the difference between the sheep that's next to them and the wolf that's in sheep's clothing next to them on the other side. They don't know where to find pasture. They don't know where the shepherd is. They don't know where the water is. They, they're constantly under pressure. They, they, they don't know how to resist the threats that come against them. They are powerless. They are lost. They are incompetent. They're deep in a hole, and they don't know how to get out, and they don't know which way is up. And they're under the assault and the dominion of the evil one and his minions. When Jesus sees people, that's what he sees. He sees their spiritual state. And for me, this is so beautiful because even at the moment of his death, as Jesus is being executed on the cross, as the people who are lost and confused and helpless and harassed are in their confusion, targeting him with the fullness of their persecution, what does he do? He prays to the Father for them. And he says, what? Father, forgive them. Why? Because they just don't know what they're doing. They don't know that the Savior of the world who has come to lift them out of the pit is currently being destroyed because of them, and they just can't understand because they're harassed and helpless. So friends, what happens to us when we see the people of our world? Can we see beyond the surface? 
Can, can you see their deep spiritual desperation? Or do we stop at our, at our surface level understanding? Do we see a society that mocks us, that constantly seeks to destroy and eradicate those things that, that we hold dear, that denigrates who we are and what we believe more than any other people group in the world? Or do we allow our hearts to be moved by the spiritual plight of the people around us? Are we too caught up in just making it through this life? Because to be honest, it's hard. And it's not easy. And we, tr- we kind of give most of our energy and our effort and our attention to, to ensuring that the short period of time that we're here in this world is not too uncomfortable. Or have we reached that place where we truly know that if we want to save our lives, we have to lose them for the sake of the gospel? It's so easy, guys. It's so easy for our hearts to become closed off to the spiritual condition of the people around us. To be caught up in our day-to-day, to make it through, to become angry and frustrated and adversarial with the world that hates us when they are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So, Lord, we want to just take this moment and we want to pray. And we want to invite you by your Holy Spirit to just come and to soften our hearts this morning. Lord, where we have become calloused and hard, where we deflect the conviction of your Spirit, where we become too inward-looking and are unable to give energy and attention to those around us, God, I want to pray that you would soften our hearts and that we would be able to see people the way you see them that we would be able to recognize the deep spiritual need that they have to meet the Savior, the only one who can help them out of the place that they're in. We invite your Spirit to be with us this morning as we continue. In Jesus' name, amen. We're not finishing there, right? But we just got to stop there because we need the Spirit to do that work in us. I can't do it. I can't move you to love people. Only the Lord can do that. So, So let's say you agree with me so far. You believe God has has called you. You believe that why he's called you. And now now the question is, well, where has he called you to? Right? Haven't I just been called to Cape Town, the space where I am? And I want to take us back to the most magnificent command. Matthew chapter 28. We all know it really well. We're going to just take the first phrase. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. That was Jesus' explicit command to his disciples. He said, go and make disciples and make them of all the nations. And I am so thankful that his disciples listened to him because if it wasn't for them in their obedience responding to Jesus, I don't know who or what I would be worshiping right now. Whether it be the leaves or the trees or our ancestors or myself or some other spirit or some other demonic guise that is something other than Jesus. But I would have been harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd had it not been for the obedience of previous disciples to take the gospel into the bottom of Africa. If you read the book of Acts, you'll see this command lived out in the book of Acts. So in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, Jesus says, I want you guys to be my witnesses. I want you to start here in Jerusalem, and then I want you to go from Jerusalem to Judea. And I want you to go from Judea to Samaria, and I want you to go from Samaria to the ends of the earth. And as you read the book of Acts, you see that lived out. Acts 2 all the way through to Acts 7 is all based in Jerusalem. Acts 1 as well. 
And then at the point of Acts chapter 7, persecution breaks out. And so missionaries are sent, not voluntarily most of the time. They flee because people are coming after them to punish them for following Jesus. And the gospel moves from Jerusalem into the Judean countryside. And it moves to Samaria. And then as the God begins to work in Samaria, so the, the mission goes out from Samaria and it goes to the edges of the known world at that time. And you see that played out in the book of Acts. It remains our call today. Now, guys, I'm very, very aware that the main verb in the Great Commission is to make disciples. It's not to go. Right? Really what it's saying is in your going, make disciples. And we'll talk more about that in a moment. But I want you to notice that in your going, as you are called to make disciples, you are called to make those disciples of all nations. Right? That, that phrase didn't get left out. Because God's heart and his desire is not that just one people group would be the only people group to experience salvation anymore. That was the old covenant. And in the old covenant, you could come to that people and you could find God there. But God says that time has ended. And now it's the time for my people to go. And in their going, to bring the good news of the gospel of peace into a broken and hurting world. So how are we, what are we to do with this call to make disciples of all nations? I want to I start by saying we need, to, we need to take our shields down, right? which is something that Jason used to say, for those of you who remember. Jason is uh, one of the pastors who was here uh, before me. And what he meant by that is often when we read a passage that we know well, and if, we, if there's one passage we know well, you know, for Christians it's this one, and if, for non-Christians it's John 3:16. Right, but when we read a passage we know well, what immediately happens is we have like a deflector that comes up. As the conviction of the Spirit would come, so we're like, oh, I'm good. I've done this already. I understand what this application means in my life. And I want us just for this morning, I want to encourage you to just take that away. And so maybe you've processed this before with the Lord. And maybe you're currently engaged in things together. But let's just invite the Lord to convict us as he might want to, to speak to us as he might want to. And so again, Holy Spirit, we invite you to be present amongst us this morning and to speak what you would say to us. We want to feel the fullness of your call to make disciples of the nations as we go. And we don't want to miss something that you would ask of us because we think we've already heard it. And so come, Lord, come and just speak in our space together this morning. We invite you. And give us grace, faith, and boldness to trust you as you do. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, that's me basically done with the call. That's the value. What do you do with that now? What do we do with this value that God has given us? Let's talk application. We agree that we're sent. We know why we've been sent. We know where we've been sent. So what do we do? If you live here in Cape Town, South Africa, how does this apply to you? Well, let's start with this. There are some of you who might be here now, but that God is going to call you to go. Right? To go in the full-time way that we normally conceive of as being dedicated mission work. Some of you might be here this morning, and this might be one of those moments where God says, Hey, it's time. You've been going this way. I want to actually let you know there's a call for you. I want to send you here. And if God is doing that in your life this morning, this is an incredibly significant moment. And we want to allow the Spirit to say that. And because 
Shane has more experience in knowing what that looks like. I've asked Shane to just share some next steps. So if you hear, and you're just beginning to hear the Lord saying, there's a, there's a place I'm calling you to that's not here. Have a listen. Shane's got some wisdom to share from some experience. I trust the Spirit will speak through him. Thanks, Brad. So God called me when I was 14 years old. I was at a, at a youth camp um, up in Kimberley. And I felt very strongly the Lord speaking into my heart. It was only 26 years later that that call became completely fulfilled. But in the process of that, in the journey from 14 to 40, there was something that he was stirring in my heart. And I thought that that delay was, ah, that call is no longer, it's no longer relevant. Maybe, maybe God just changed his plan. Maybe he did want me to be a school teacher. But as I, as I was school teaching, there was always this thing in my heart. There's, there's something bigger. There's something else. You may have heard a call from God prior to today. Or maybe God's speaking to you today. And there's a, there's a call to go out and to be a witness in a place that's not Cape Town. Um, and if there is, if there is something that, that he's stirred in your heart, if it's a thing from God, it will grow and grow and grow. It will be something that you just can't shake off. I couldn't shake it off for the, the years that I was school teaching. And then I was pastoring in a church down in Durban, and still there was this thing in my heart. There's something, God has got something else for me. And, and I knew that it was going to be a distant call. Um, Sandra and I, were, we, we prayed about it for many, many years. In fact, it was a journey of 10 years for Sandra and I together along that process of, God, where do you want us to be? What, what do you want us to do? Where do you want us to go? And so our hearts were, were stirred in that, and it just kept increasing and increasing and increasing. My journey was literally one day I was on the church property. There was a couple that had been in the Philippines. Uh, as I walked by, I greeted them. They said, hey, come and chat. And I went over to them, and as I began to chat with them, so they said, um, so when are you coming to the Philippines? I'm like, what? What do you mean, when are you coming to the Philippines? They said, we've been there for a year. God's mandate to us was to go and to prepare the way for others to come, and you've been on the top of our list for the last year. Like, okay. I got home, and I said to Sandra, hey, I just met Alan and Pam Bebb today. And Sandra said to me, so when are we going to the Philippines? Because God had been stirring in her. You may have had something like that stirring in your heart. Or maybe God begins to stir something today. So what do you do with that? First of all, I want to say this. Delay is not necessarily of the devil. We sometimes think that delay is of the devil. Daniel was 12 years old when God spoke to him very specifically about mission. I was 14 years old. Daniel's 25. I won't tell you. But the delay is not necessarily of God. Delay is a, is a time where God, if, if it's a call from God, where he will stir that and he will keep stirring that and prepare you spiritually and mentally and emotionally, sometimes even physically, to get ready for that call. So that will intensify. Uh, God was busy refining so many things in my life. And he, he was also helping us as a family get used to the fact of not having things. So that's part of the journey of simplifying lifestyle. Well, we were helped because there were people that came into our home and took some of the stuff that we had. <laughs> this is South Africa. And so, so some of the stuff that we, that we held near and dear was gone. And so it was an easier release. But then there were also some practical steps, and I want to just share some of those practical steps with you quickly. If God is calling you today, 
if you feel something stirring in your heart, then speak to me or speak to one of the guys on the C2N team. Connect to the nation's team. That's myself, Michelle Cable. She's here today. Jeff Howell, he's not here because he, he's damaged his leg. Uh, and then Pam Weston. Pam, are you here? Pam's not here. Okay. So speak to us. Speak to one of us. Uh, we, we have a heart and a passion to see Connect Church out in the nations. Then secondly... Listen to the wisdom and the counsel of the wise and experienced. But don't let them thwart what God is doing in your life. There was a guy that I really valued and appreciated. And when I spoke with him about the call that God had in my life, he said, Shane, you're crazy. That is ridiculous. That's not God. Like, what do you mean that's not? He said, that's not God. That's just a ridiculous move. That's irresponsible. You're being, you're being, yeah, you're just being crazy. I knew the God's, God's call. But I want to encourage you to speak to people who have wisdom and understanding and can guide you along the journey. Then pray and keep praying. You'll, you'll hear that come up a couple of times. Pray for clarity. Pray that God would speak to you about a geographical location. Maybe there's a particular country that He wants you to go to. Maybe there's a region. And Dan, I hope you get to share that. Um, just now, with Dan, there's a region that God is calling Dan, potentially calling Dan to. He's praying into that right now. So be praying into, God, where do you want me specifically to go? There may be a religious group. Maybe he just says, go and minister to the Hindus in this particular country. Or go and speak, go and minister to the Baha'i in this particular country. And that's your, your calling. Maybe there's a subculture. The bikers in... America, it's a subculture, or the gay community in this place, or, or the prostitutes in that place. So maybe there's a subculture, um, the skaters in, in that university. Maybe it's a people group, a particular people group. We, we felt God calling us as Connect Church to the Yao people in Malawi, and the Yao are Muslim people, they, they're Muslim folk, they were slave traders, they were rejected um, and, and, and so Islam became their religion. And God called us specifically to go and minister to them. Maybe it's a specific target group. A, you, yeah, when I say that, something like um, God's calling you to be house parents at a boarding establishment or to run uh, an old age home or to start a school somewhere. Maybe there's some specific calling that God has got for you. For us, we knew as we were praying, we knew it was the Philippines because the particular church that we were in at the time had flags on the one side of the church and regularly would be go and pray under the flags. Go and pray for the nations. And I always prayed under the flag of Israel because the scripture says pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And for some reason, God called me and stirred my heart to pray for the Philippine flag or pray under the Philippine flag. Uh, Maybe it was just the colors, I don't know. But God was stirring something in my heart. And so when the call came, it was easy. Quickly, if relocation is necessary, learn the target culture. learn, Learn the language. Start to learn the religion. Be praying for that nation. Contact an agency like SIM or AIM or SIL, yeah, OM. Contact an agency. Get out of debt. Don't, don't. Yeah, you can't be ready to go if you're holding on to, to debt. And so get out of debt as quickly as you can. Simplify your lifestyle. 
Share your heart with family and friends. Get people to know the call that God has got for you. And that will start a support group for you, people gathering around you who will be praying for you, a support group that will give or help in finances, support group that will help in logistics, encouragement, and prayer. Just some practical steps. If you want to know more, hey, come and talk to me. Thank you so much, Shane. I wanted to ask Shane to do that because when God begins to move in this way, I want to give you some practical first point of call. What do I do from here? Those are, that's for those who God has called in a very dedicated full-time space. But there are other ways that we go because the call for us to make disciples of all nations is as you go. As we go, let's make disciples. So what does that mean? It means maybe some of your family have moved to another country and you go to visit them there. You carry the gospel with you when you go into that place. Often those places are far less receptive to the gospel than here. We've had friends who are in the UK tell us how difficult it is to talk about Jesus there and how it feels like coming home is like a breath of fresh air just because the presence of Jesus is so much more easily able to be perceived and spoken about and engaged with. So when you go to visit your family in the UK or Australia or wherever they might be somewhere else in Africa, I don't know. But you go as a missionary into that place. You carry the gospel with you, the presence of God, as you reach out to meet with them. Maybe your business sends you on trips. Maybe you have the misfortune of having to take the red-eye flight to go up to Joburg or Pretoria or Durban or Dubai or wherever else it is that you have to do business. You don't just go to do business in that place. You go As you go, you look to make disciples. You begin to pray, Lord, who are the people that you're going to put in my path and in my space that I'm going to encounter, that I'm going to have an opportunity to share something of the gospel with? But there are mission opportunities that are close to home in communities around us, and they are being run by many people in the church and spaces where you can get involved. So we're just going to go through them. The Capricorn Angels, you can chat to Ali Wilson. They, they create and collect toiletries that they distribute to ladies in Capricorn who can't buy the necessary toiletries that they need for themselves. You can, um, we have Children at Risk, which is a YWAM program that uh, is being run by Toby uh, Brower. There we go. And um, they, they are equipping young people to serve and to care for children who are at risk. You can enroll in their school. There's the Dignity Campaign, which is helping men and women understand their identity and their belonging and their purpose in Christ. There's the Life Matters Foundation that runs literacy and numeracy, pro- numeracy programs in underprivileged schools. You can become a facilitator and help kids with their maths and their English. We have Skills to Work that looks to create sustainable employment for people who are genuinely seeking a way out of unemployment. They're busy investigating a project in Zimbabwe at the moment and need funds to pull that together. There's Valuable to Jesus that looks to restore dignity and identity to children at risk on the Cape Flats. There's Hands and Feet who work with children and families in the Siemendalong community that's near Strandfontein. And they try and bring families through challenges and keep families together. There's Hidden Treasure, which is a charity store where you can donate stuff that you're not using anymore. And anything that is then available there is bought by those who have less. And any proceeds that come out of that store are given to the work of the gospel in various different places. You can also go and volunteer there as well. They're always looking for people to to help them at sort of four hours a week, I think. There's Hope Prison Ministries, which looks to facilitate offender and victim reconciliation and bring the gospel of hope into prisons to the people who have the least of it. 
There's Jaira Ministries that teaches Muslim women to bead in order to facilitate their employment. There's Learn to Earn that seeks to address unemployment and equip people with market-related skills to make them employable. There's SkillWise that trains people in computer skills for young unemployed people to help them find work. There's Stop Ministry which helps people and their loved ones who are trapped in pornography and advocates for godly values around pornography and society. There's the 10 campaign that seeks to promote nursing as a profession and to empower young Christian women to go into nursing and to help them get through the training for that. There's the Busy Bees team that knit baby clothes and blankets and jerseys for those that don't have. There are so many different ways that you can get involved. And I've like shot through these, right? Thanks, John. If you need more information about them, we have it all in the office. You can speak to myself, you can speak to Shelly, you can email the church office, and we will help you get connected with wherever you want to serve. There's the Harari Project, right? The team has done some amazing work there, and there are some things you can do there. If you're a qualified quantity surveyor, and you want to help the Harari Project, they need to draw up a bill of quantities for the final stages of the building. If you want to do that at, at pro bono, or you want to do that at a reduced rate, that would be incredibly helpful for them. If you have connections inside large companies that are able to make sizable donations, we need about three and a half million rands to bring this project to completion. That would be incredibly helpful. If you are skilled in financial literacy, we're going to need to upskill the team at Harari to help them carry on from when we finish building there. And we would love to be able to train them in what it looks like to maintain and to look after a building so that it doesn't run and become dilapidated. They're looking to develop a Sunday school at Harare. They're looking to develop a youth group at Harare. They would really, could really use a computer. So if you have an old computer that you're not using, that would be incredibly helpful to them. They, um, they need some help in developing business ideas to know what to do with the building so that it doesn't just house a church on Sunday, but is able to generate funds for them as a church through the week. They're looking to build a library. They have a, a, a young library that's started there, and they would love some skills in what it looks like to run and develop a workable library in that space. So if you'd like to get involved, we can put you in touch with the Harari team. Amen. Okay, I'm done. Hopefully the kids are okay. Let's wrap up, and we can have some tea and coffee together. Lord, we thank you so much for the time that we've had together this morning. And I just pray, God, that if you have been working by your Spirit this morning, that we wouldn't miss the voice of your Spirit's that is calling us in obedience to follow you and to continue the work that you began, Jesus. And that your gospel would go from this church into all the nations of the world. We pray for that, God. And so I just pray that you would give us grace and faith and boldness to act as you are speaking, to trust you where it looks confusing and uncertain and we don't know what's next. Lord, we trust you to continue building your church in every nation that you create. Give us grace to access. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So friends, thank you so much for being with us this morning. And if there is something that you need to do, there's someone you need to speak to, a prayer guide that you want to pick up, please go and do that. Now Dan and Corin will be available outside. You can chat to them. If you want to chat to myself or any of the elders, we are here for you. Otherwise, have a wonderful week. We'll see you soon.